Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Colin Karcher Podcast, live in studio in Salt Lake City, Utah. Bringing you the best information on parenting, technology, raising your kids, keeping them safe, healthy in this crazy world they're growing up in. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm really, really excited about today's topic. I've been trying to go through and uh, and interview experts from every part of every walk of life, of every field that deals with kids and parenting. And uh, and and I, I, I mistakenly missed an entire group of experts. And, uh, and those are occupational therapists. I didn't even know a whole lot about this field. Uh, but the more I go out and speak and learn and study, I realize that this is such a, an important thing to talk about, especially for parents who are have little babies uh, or are going to have little babies uh, to, to really get your kids teed up to be successful. Um, and uh, obviously having a conversation about how things are changing as we have as a society, a lot of us have made the mistake of letting an iPad kind of raise our babies for us. Uh, what is that doing? I speak a lot at elementary schools and uh, I've got an elementary school teacher who lives across the street. And uh, I remember many, many times speaking to schools where the kindergartner teachers would come up to me afterwards and they'll say, Colin, oh my gosh, thank you so much for talking about this, especially with like iPads and how many kids you said you would be, your mind would be blown. How many kids are coming in as kindergartners that can hardly talk and can't hold a pencil? Um, but if you hand them an iPad, like they could download YouTube and the, and the download a VPN network and jump the school's firewall to get on the internet and like watch YouTube or dude, perfect, um, little ninjas. And, you know, and there was a, a, originally it was kind of like a cute thing. You hear all these parents like, oh my gosh, my kid can't talk yet really, but he's so good at his iPad. He's better at my phone than I am. Um, and, uh, and now we're starting to see as the science comes out that maybe this wasn't the best idea, uh, as, as this affecting our kids. And so uh, as I was out doing my stuff, talking on social media, uh, I reached out to some people who are occupational therapists, OT. I was, when I saw OT, I always thought it was like a big white kid from like Iowa who plays football. But the, that's the football uh, OT. So I reached out to uh, a new friend of mine named Michelle Pine, who's out in Texas, who is a 10-year uh, veteran of occupational therapy, and asked if she would uh, be so willing, kind to come on. Of course, she can turn me down because she's from the South and she's way too nice. So thank you so much, Michelle, for joining. Uh, can, are you there? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. Thanks Yay. for having me. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for waking up early for this. Of uh, course. So uh, tell everyone, introduce where you're at in the world and uh, and what how did you get into occupational therapy and like what is it that you do as this profession? Okay, so I've been in OT for a little over 10 years, and I work in pediatrics right now. I used to work in an inpatient rehab, and we would see patients that had strokes, traumatic brain injuries, orthopedic surgeries, a whole broad spectrum of diagnoses. Well, now, the last 10 years, I've been working in pediatrics, and I specialize in early intervention, which is from the time a baby is born until the day before they turn three years old. Okay. So that's a lot of development that happens in that those three years. So we work with kids who have delays and limitations with fine motor skills, cognitive skills, social, emotional skills. Um, sensory processing is really big right now. Mm -hmm. Self-care skills like teaching kids how to use a spoon to feed themselves. Not every kid can just pick up a spoon and yeah. just start feeding themselves around 18 months or two years old. Um, we really look at the whole child and we focus on purposeful play and supporting parents 
while they're raising these babies. Okay. Um, and uh, what what was it that got you into the pediatric side of this? Was it just a natural progression or something that, you know, just an opportunity came up? Or? Yeah. Well, I loved inpatient rehab so much because you really, you know, your patients might be there a few weeks, maybe a month, and you build these relationships with your patients. And that's one of my favorite things about being an OT. And so after I had my second child, I didn't want to work full time anymore because I wanted to spend more time at home with my kids. Yep. And so my aunt is actually a physical therapist for the Louisiana Early Intervention Program. And she um, I talked to her about it. And so I started working over there with her. And uh, so I just have done contracts since then. And it's been great. It's the best of both worlds. That's so fun. Yeah. Um, well, let's, let's, let's jump right into it. So, uh, some of the questions that I had for you, uh, is what are some of the changes that you've seen, uh, maybe some of the more concerning changes in your profession as uh, you see kids develop today, uh, over the last few years? Yeah. So, um, in OT and pediatrics, we see a lot of kids with, um, autism, down syndrome, cerebral palsy. We see a lot of medically fragile kids who've had, you know, organ transplants. conditions, you know, um, low tone, high tone, that kind of thing. But we're also getting kids now who don't really have like a true cognitive deficit or a real diagnosis. They're just delayed and they're having issues with um, maintaining attention to task, their eye contact, they cannot keep eye contact. They even have trouble like scanning their environment, Mm -hmm. you know, like looking for toys across the living room or whatever. They have a really hard time doing that. Um, Poor coordination and strength. They have issues transitioning from activity to activity. Mm -hmm. Um, Even like um, initiating play on their own. Yeah. Very hard to engage. Um, More passive learners. And of course, like hyperactivity irritability. And I was talking to my aunt who's been a PT forever and another friend, a speech pathologist who's been in the field for a long time. And they were saying that, you know, when they first started out, they only saw these issues with kids with true cognitive deficits. Mm -hmm. But now we're seeing these issues with kids who, you know, don't have a cognitive deficit, but they're showing all these behaviors. And whenever I go into a home, I get a referral to see a child and I go into the home and talking to the mama or the dad. And, you know, I'm like, okay, well, how often are they in front of a screen, like an iPad, a phone, a TV? And they're like, oh, that's all they do. Oh yeah. You know, that happens a lot. So my first goal is okay, we're going to cut that back to at least two hours a day. Because if I said zero hours a day, I think everyone would lose their mind. They're not going (laughs) to let you come back. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So we are like, okay. You just killed Mary Poppins if you did that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So we are as therapists seeing a lot of issues because of the screens. Um, so when, when, uh, when you talk to a parent about this, so let's, let's go into that conversation. What does that conversation usually look like? Um, when you are, 
you know, they, they say, oh, no, they're just watching YouTube all day. They're on their iPad all day. They're on the screens all day. Um, yeah. And, and you, do you bring up to them, like, the actual dangers of that? Or are you just saying, let's just go down to two hours? I mean, are you is there education yeah, going well, on, like, sharing stats and research? Or the parents at that point, they're just like, just please don't take away the iPad. I know. Well, the initial... Let's just cut back. You know, this isn't helping them at all. This is contributing to their delays. Yeah. And then as I build a relationship with the parents, I help them understand the like how big of a deal this is. Yeah. Because I don't want to go in there the first time and just like discourage yeah. these mom and dads who really are probably trying their best. And, you know, all these apps market these things as learning. They do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's not that. Yeah. So, so, you know, I really think these parents have good intentions and it's not my job to judge or whatever. And even, so I have a 10 year old little girl and when she was, um, about one or one and a half, that's when, um, like I first got a smartphone mm -hmm. and I, I remember a friend of mine told me about this little game called peekaboo barn. And so you like, I downloaded it and it's like a little barn that pops up and you touch the animal, the animal pops out. It's a cow. It makes a moose sound. You touch the cow, it pops yep. back in the barn, you know, so all these animals. So you're thinking, Oh, my kids learning yeah. animal sounds, animal identification, but like even I, as a pediatric occupational therapist, had to say, whoa, hold on. This is not what it appears, Yeah, you know? So we're all learning and trying to do our best, but we do have to go into these homes and say, hey, this is really inhibiting your kid's development. Yeah. What are your, what are your thoughts as a, as an, as a occupational therapist as to why these screens are doing this? Uh, why, why do you think it's, is it the length of time, uh, that the kids are on or versus, is it just the stimulation from the screens? Uh, any thoughts on that? Like, why is it causing these types of delays? And well, there has been some research on the amount of time kids are on the screen. Um, JAMA Pediatrics published something and these researchers from Cincinnati Children's Hospital, mm -hmm. their study showed that the amount of white matter appeared to be reduced in the brains of younger children who spend more than two hours a day on screens. What does that mean? So, the white matter so stuff. think of white matter in your brain. That is where all your thought processing and organization and a lot of your other vital functions come from. Think of it like telephone wires that connect various parts of your brain. So if your brain, if the signals aren't connecting, the development is going to be stalled yeah. or slowed. And so they also found that like the more you're on the screen, the bigger issues you can have with like actual cognition mm -hmm. and aggression. So it is a really big deal. And this, and but, this, and, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no. And then, like, think about how kids, you know, they sit on the couch with the iPad and think of even like their posture. Yeah. They're kind of hunched over, their head is down. The screen is so close to their eyes. Yeah. We really don't know what the screen does to our eyes, you know? Yep. And, um, 
So we think about the long-term effects anatomically about being hunched over with our heads down. That's not good either. Kids should be running around, climbing up a playground, sliding down the slide, you know? Yeah. So, and then also going back to, you know, if kids are not playing with toys, playing with other kids their age, and they're sitting in front of a screen, they don't have the opportunities for all of these other sensory experiences. What do you mean by that? What are some of those other ones? So, Our sensory system, so this is a big thing for OTs. We work a lot with kids with sensory processing disorders. And what we're, so what they're calling this too much screen time is virtual autism because too much screen time really can result in autism type behaviors. I want to stop you right there because that, Mm -hmm. I, uh, when I reached out to you, it was that word virtual autism that I had heard from a audiologist at who, who this was a months ago. He said he yeah. came back from an audio, an audiology conference. And he said, Colin, there was an entire speaker talking about this word that none of us had heard of called virtual autism. And he, and, and saying how that's what I had to deal with was too much of this screen time that, that, that babies mm-hmm. and, and toddlers and young kids are being misdiagnosed with uh, with things like autism because of the behaviors, but it's not really actual autism. It's from overstimulation, too much screen time. And that's right. that's the thing that I was like, oh my gosh, like this is like, when we talk about, you know, the science is gonna come out to show us like how bad this technology was. Like if that doesn't make people just stop for a second and say, wait a second. Like mm-hmm. I have family members and friends who have kids who have autism. We have neighbors who have kids who are autistic. I love uh, these families. I know how much of a struggle it is, but like when you tell a family member like that, like there's also something called virtual autism. Like it really gets some mixed reactions. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So virtual autism. So so keep ex- explain again. Explain you know from your back from your side of things. Like what exactly does that mean? Um, and what should parents be looking for? Um, yeah. Yeah. So this is different than like true autism spectrum disorder because the autism spectrum, you know, that can be a genetic component or, you know, so that's different. So the virtual autism is basically just autism type symptoms like the sense, like children legitimately develop sensory processing issues from being on a screen too much. So your sensory system, you know, you think like your visual system is responsible for seeing, auditory is responsible for hearing, olfactory is smell, gustatory is taste, tactile is um, touch, Mm -hmm. Um, vestibular, we focus a lot on that as OTs. That is your sense of your that your head movement in space. Oh wow! So it controls your eye movements, controls your balance and orientation of body. It keeps you upright. You also have a proprioceptive system, which is the sensations you experience from your muscles and joints. So, like when a child jumps, or like an adult, whoever jumps, you know, you can feel that in your body. That is your proprioceptive system wow. working. Okay. Yeah. So whenever a child is on a screen for the majority of the their waking hours, they're not living life in the environment. So their sensory, these systems aren't getting fed the information to develop. 
Yeah. So then what happens is these systems are delayed and then it affects their little quality of life. Yeah. How does this, you know? what could this lead to? I mean, uh, obviously this is having a big effect on them while they're toddlers, but what is the long-term repercussions for something like this as they become teenagers even, or tweens, teens, yeah. and like young adults? Well, so I will say that the parents who do follow the recommendations of reducing screen time and that kind of thing. And one of my biggest recommendations is go outside and play. Yeah. That is the best sensory experience, developmental experience for kids. And, you know, I live in Texas and it is like 147 degrees right now. <laughs> it is, yeah. Okay. No one wants to so, go outside. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Sometimes it is hard, you know, but we have to, we have to be intentional about these things. Yep. And and you know, I see a lot of kids for therapy who live in apartments. And it's hard. You don't just have a backyard where you can go out and play. Yeah. So the moms and dads have to really be intentional about, you know, going for a walk, going to the park, um, that kind of thing. And even, you know, like just going real early in the morning for a little bit before it gets too hot. Well, that will really help set your day. Yes. Because then the child will have started out with all of these good sensory experiences. Like I see kids who are two years old, two and a half years old and have never walked barefoot in grass. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so heartbreaking. That, yeah, so I, you know, I have to work. They're not just going to automatically go walk in grass. Yeah. So we have to really work with that in our OT sessions to walk in grass. That's crazy. So it's, yeah, it's little things like that, like sitting on a swing. Yeah. Like a child, like that is a big thing. I, I always try and get parents to meet me at parks. You know, this is before the COVID stuff. Sure, yeah. And so get parents to meet me at parks. Because there's so many things to do. Slide down the slide, work on climbing, um, walk barefoot in the sand, whatever. Like that is normal child play. And we cannot think that sitting in front of an iPad or phone is normal yeah. for a child. Do you think it's not normal for us. We can't even handle it. Uh, amen. How we can we expect our babies to? Amen. What do you, what do you think? Uh, I mean, did parents just get too busy um, or did we get lazy or was it a combination of the two? Well, I always want to think that parents have their best intentions when it comes to their kids. Okay. Yeah. So I think that, you know, my generation, I'm 38. So same here. Have, nice. Yeah. So we have issues being addicted to our phones, yeah. you know, and so if we're, if our kids see us on our phones all the time, well, they're probably going to want to be on a phone or a screen all the time too. So I don't know, but also we're so busy and I think adults don't even spend enough time outdoors also. Yeah. 
yeah. When's the last time you walked barefoot? I'm trying. Uh, those adults are listening. When's the last time you walked barefoot on some grass? Right. As well, yeah. besides just mowing the lawn, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. No, don't mow the lawn barefoot. Oh. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> There's a big deal but, with that. Um, with screen distracted parents, that was something that I talk yes. a lot about. There's been science. Uh, there's science coming out about the negative effect screen distracted parents have on their children and their baby's development. I know there's an article in the Atlantic that went pretty big about a year and a half ago. Uh, you can go and Google it. I think it's just called the danger of distracted parenting. Yeah. And there's studies in there saying how that that just even moms and dads. So let's say mom who's got a, a breastfeeding uh, infant just not making the eye contact while the baby is breastfeeding right. is causing. I mean, there was a study that I share at my Paranites that was in uh, the UK last October that they found that infants are now biting more. Uh, they're biting yeah. more as a response to not getting what they need from 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 screen distracted moms while they breastfeed. Like this this stuff, <laughs> the type of science that's going to come out is is going to be is kind of scary because we yeah. don't really know the effects. I mean, like I said, it's kind of like cigarettes right. 2.0. We don't really know the effects, but the but. How do you so so you walk into a home and you see uh, a a two a two year old that's really struggling with all these things and that's so sad to watch, uh, yeah. but then you see the mom who while you're talking to her like she can't look up her phone to talk to you. Uh, what do you do? Yeah. In, how what do you do in a situation? Because the last thing the mom wants or the parent wants to hear or the dad is you know that judgment of like well you know your baby's doing this and struggling because you know it's like that eighties drug PSA you remember that one how how, yeah. how did you do this you dad I learned it from watching you you know. Yeah. Um, so what, what do you, what do you say, what's the conversation gently to a parent who's struggling with their own screen behavior? Cause monkey see a monkey do kids aren't going to get off their phones right. and, and they're, and they're not going to want to look away from a screen if all they see mom and dad is do that too. Right. Yeah. So, so with early intervention, you want to focus on the parent being super involved in the actual therapy session. Cool. So if I'm working with a six month old or seven month old, then I'm going to have the parent down with me on the blanket, showing them like very hands on showing them what to do. Because if I'm just there for an hour a week and they don't know how to do these exercises or activities the rest of the week, well, it's not really helping the baby. Like it has to be a daily continuation of work. So with these kids that we're seeing who are addicted to the screens, I always get the mom or dad to come like and enter the therapy session and do the activities with us. Or like, I'll just let the mom and the child do the activity and I'll like coach the mom and show her how to do. Yeah. Like basically teaching them how to play with the child. That's crazy to think about. I had I, I had someone mention that the other day. They said, "You know what? I've realized that I'm not doing the best job as a parent, like interacting with my kids." But there's a whole generation of people our age that, you know, a lot of our parents didn't really ever sit down and play with us, and so I think there's right. a lot of young parents that really, like you said, they almost don't know how to sit down and play with the kid mm-hmm. because we never were really model that, you know. Yeah. So. Um, I know. And also it's important. Like we, we do not need to entertain our kids all the time. Oh, there we go. Bingo. So, yeah. So, and I'm, I'm talking about, you know, my youngest is three. So I have a three-year-old and nine-year-old and a 10-year-old. So for my three-year-old, someone is always around playing with him, entertaining him. So if it's just me and him at the house, 
and I'm like trying to clean the house or whatever. And I'm like, buddy, just go play in your room. It'll be fine. Yeah. I have to go up there with him, set him up with his dinosaurs. <laughs> and I'm like, now go, go, you know, yep. because he's all, he's so used to being entertained, but for kids, it is good to let them be bored, figure it out themselves you know, that's how they build their creativity and their imagination. I hear this a so, lot. I need you to explain why. Because you hear, I, I say that a lot. I preach a lot. And parents still, they, well, I mean, you know, that's like a fun way to say things. And I hear that a lot. Like, let your kids be bored. But can you explain why it is so important to let your kids be able to just sit there and be bored and not have, like, have to come up with their own entertainment? Why is that yeah. so important in their, in their actual development? Yes, very important because we live in the real world. They're not going to be entertained all the time. When they get to preschool or kindergarten, they're not going to have their iPad in front of their face all the time. They, you yeah. know, we ha we have to let them learn how to live life without the screen. And if we don't take the screen away and let them figure out how to play, look, go put them in the backyard, yep. put a dirt pile out there, throw some dump trucks, some dinosaurs, <laughs> whatever, let them play. If you have little girls who like Barbies, put them some sand out there, get some little beach umbrellas, make them a Barbie beach yep. and let them play. We Now, it's good to play with your kids, of course, but there has to be a balance. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I think their kindergarten teacher isn't going to entertain them. Exactly. She can't. Exactly. He can't. Yeah. One thing we're seeing a lot of problems with, too, is that because of these issues, then these kids become kindergartners and they, you know, the, the teachers are stressed out and the parents are having the conversations with teachers where they're saying, hey, your kid can't focus. Uh, your kid is struggling with attention. And then comes on the conversations of, well, you can either medicate your kid or maybe you should just keep them at home because they're not ready yet. And a lot of that was because of the screens. Yeah. Um, so we're, 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 we're putting kids on these like the cycle for like just a crap situation because of this stuff. Right. They go into first right. kindergarten, first grade. And, and I have I get those parents all the time that. Uh, in tears through messages saying like, I just found out that, you know, my son, they said, if we don't medicate him, he can't come back to school or he's just, you know, maybe you should wait or wait. And, and uh, the over medication of these kids, uh, I think so unnecessarily because right. it's just the screen time. You know what I mean? Do you have any thoughts mm -hmm. on this at all? Yeah. Well, you know, going back to, if they're in front of a screen, a lot of hours a day, they're not even like, building muscle strength and yeah. coordination. So, so think about if, if they are just holding a screen and like using their fingers to manipulate the screen where when they should be outside climbing, um, playing on the ground, playing with Play-Doh, eating dirt. Yep. Yes. Everything <laughs> kids are supposed to do. Then they're not building their hand strength, their upper body strength, you know, so they are going to have issues holding a pencil when they get to kindergarten. Um, even like if kids don't get enough outside play, they may not be able to keep up with their friends on the playground. That's true. Yep. Yeah. I also see a lot of kids who, 
they never like they hate being upside down. Wow. Because going back to the vestibular system, your balance and coordination, they don't play like in diff with their head in different like related to gravity, yeah, you know? Yeah. Uh -huh. So they don't turn their head upside down because they're sitting on the couch with a screen. So then when they get on the playground and some of their friends are doing cartwheels or rolls or whatever, they're just, they're out of luck, yeah. you know? And then, um, of course, the kindergarten teacher, again, cannot entertain them. And the kid is going to get irritable. Yep. So we, I mean, you really just need to get your kid off the screen, yeah, you yeah. know? We're seeing a lot of a uh, lot of uh, outbursts, uh, motion outbursts, tantrums, things like that. Yeah. Um, in in the kindergartens that I you know go talk to teachers there, um, a lot of that dealing with this too, right? When when a kid is right. constantly stimulated, and the dopamine has been dumping on his brain, and then he has to sit still, it's just kind of like a almost like a drug addict would crash. Right. Uh, when that dopamine's taken away, if the brain doesn't create it naturally because it's been depending on the screen to give it to them, then there's right. the decrease in that. So what are, what are your thoughts on that? Well, going back to if we get away from the screens and look, it's not too late. Like if you're a mom or dad listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, what have I done? Yeah, You can totally scale back. Amen. Because you know, like once we know better, we can do better. So scale back on the screen, get your kid outside. It's going to be fall in like six months here in Texas. <laughs> just, just hold tight. You can, you can do yeah, it. Yeah. It's going to be okay. <laughs> you can go to the park early in the morning, get your kids some good sensory stimulation, good appropriate sensory stimulation. Yeah. And you know, you can work on this. If, if it's that big of a deal where it's, affecting their quality of life, get a referral from an occupational therapist, yeah. you know, contact your States. If your child's under three, contact the early intervention program. If not, I'm ask your friends. I'm sure some of their kids have gotten OT before yeah. or just Google OT outpatient clinics in your area and go from there. Yeah. Yeah. There is a, there's a book I love. There's a couple of books I've read on this. I always suggest if you have a kid and they have a screen, there's a book you have to read called glow kids. Please read that. One of the other books I love is, I don't know if you read, but it's called last child in the woods, uh, uh, last child in the woods. And it's uh, by Richard Lube and it's, and it's an amazing book. Um, and it's kind of what it says. The last child in the woods, uh, saving our kids from nature deficit disorder. Um, and, and, and he's actually saying this is an actual disorder now where when kids are not growing up with the ability to go out into nature, to have all these different sensory, you know, perceptionary type, uh, experiences that what it's doing to these kids and tying it to not just overstimulation and, uh, and, you know, things like you were saying with virtual autism, now it's a new thing and with behavioral issues and uh, delays of verbal, cognitive, emotional, but then leading kids to things like mental health, like anxiety and things mm -hmm. like depression. We as humans for the, for the last, what, I don't know how many millions of years or thousands or billions of years we've been around. It was, it was up I mean, the, the amount of time that we were not neck down staring at a screen eight inches from our face as kids and as adults has been just a sliver of time in our evolution. We were not meant to do this. 
right? Right. And I always love pointing out that the people who made these devices, the Steve Jobs, the Bill Gates, you ask them, they don't let their, they didn't let their kids use iPads. Right. There's a there's an interview with Steve Jobs when he introduced the iPad, and the question from the interviewer said, "Oh, your kids must love this." And he said, "Actually, I don't let my kids use this. We're we're a pretty low tech family." Yeah. Uh, like red flag after red flag. Uh, of the people who create these products saying they don't let their kids touch this. And if that doesn't say something, I don't know what does. Um, But getting kids out into nature is a big deal. So my my last couple of questions for you are, um, you did say to the parents who feel like they can't do anything, A, you can. It's never too late. Yes. Uh, What are your thoughts on going cold turkey versus like scaling down the screen time? Well, I guess it depends on the situation. If your child is on a screen most of their waking hours, which a lot of kids are, I would probably scale down to maybe like an hour in the morning, an hour in the evening, and then next week do 30 minutes in the morning, 30 minutes in the evening, the next week, 15, 15, the next week, let's be done with it. Kind of wean them off slowly. Yeah. Yeah. And then whenever, but we need to present them with, fun activities, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, I'm, I'm talking about little kids, like the kids I work with play with blocks, shape sorters, bubbles, Play-Doh, kinetic sand is awesome. Yeah. Um, Books are the best thing. Any type of pretend play, like a little play kitchen. Your child baby dolls, musical instruments, all that is good. But remember also, if your child is on the screen, most of the time, it's going to take a while for you to build up to where they can probably entertain and play by themselves. Yeah. So keep that in mind. This is going to be like a learning process for your whole family. It is. So, it's, it's almost re, it's almost like rehumaning. <laughs> is that the word? Yeah. Almost like re becoming human again right it and yeah. one thing i noticed when so we went totally screen free we have one tv but we ripped away all the ipads and kindles and all the mm-hmm. and we were already kind of we are pretty low tech but when we ripped all those away uh you're gonna just as a warning no matter how addicted your kids are they're gonna freak out for a bit it's gonna right. be a crappy day or two or a couple hours or maybe even a week but what's yeah. but you will see quickly how fast kids once you take away the screens as their sole form of entertainment, when you give them other stuff, you can't just take it away and say, all right, we'll find something to do. You, right. like you said, you've got to plan yes. stuff. You've got to go get the games, the blocks, the dirt, the buckets, the, mm-hmm. the Tonka toys, whatever it is. Tonka toys. When's the last time you heard that? Um, There's some in our backyard. <laughs> nice. But you have to have these things ready to go. Look at look right. at the screen as like almost like a little digital cocaine pill, whatever that was like giving them this amazing rush of endorphins on and and dopamine. You pull that away, they're gonna need some form of stimulation that's non-screen. Yes. So I have those things ready. But I hear from parents all the time when they say, you know what, we finally did it. We went we took away the screens and they were pills and they cried. But within like an hour, they were on the ground playing something, making up some game, like mm-hmm. doing a play. And, yeah. and then they don't ask for it. The kids, most right. of the time, they don't ask for them back. Um, right. Kids want to be kids, right? They don't want to yes. be little screen junkies. I mean, they see yeah. us doing it. And I think even a lot of those kids see us and they say, like, I know when I, if I'm looking at my phone too much for work, my kids will walk by me and they'll like, look at me like, what's wrong with this guy? Like, I think <laughs> they even know that we're, what's wrong with us for looking at our phones too much. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you know, kids are going to learn from our bad habits. So if our kids are on their screen too much, it probably means we are too. Yep. So that's probably step one, right? Before you rip their phone yeah. away and the screens away, maybe look right. at yours. Uh, yeah. One of the uh, one of the 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 people who I look up to who talks a lot about what technology and the addictive nature of technology has done to us as society. He's, a, he's the ex-president uh, CEO of Pinterest, and then he left there and uh, and started an app called Moment, which is an app he uh, they created where you can put on your phone, and, and as parents and as adults, it can slowly wean you off your screen addiction, where you can set time limits, like give me a half hour on Facebook, give me a half hour on Pinterest, and then kick me off for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. And so even... That's- even there are tools to help you as a parent if you're too hooked to your own screen and you feel guilt right now and you're like, well, I need to do this first for myself. Like there's tools out there to help you. Uh, but do it first yourself before you go here, especially if your kids are older. Kids are right. way too good at, at understanding their, their hypocrite BS dar is way too, yeah. way too functional. Uh, my last question for you is this. Um, what is your advice for parents uh, who are, are concerned? Now they've heard this. Maybe they're kind of concerned about their uh, about their kids. I know you work with sp- specifically up till three years old, but like let's say they've got toddler age or pre-kindergartner age or even kindergarten age. Um, and now after hearing this, like, wait, maybe this isn't. Now they're seeing what we've been talking about. Like now they've got some red flags or seeing mm-hmm. some signs of their own kid. Uh, when should they make those uh, appointments or when, you know what I mean? When, when are they, what, what should they be looking for? And when is the time? Cause they always ask me like, should I take my kid to a therapist? Should I make that call? Like, is this just normal behavior? Like what is your advice for them? Yeah. So online there's a lot of sensory checklists. Oh, cool. Yeah. So you can go and print that out. Just Google sensory checklist, print it out and then answer the questions according to your child's behaviors. And then if you notice like, oh, this is very concerning, then you could just, like I said before, if they're younger than three, contact your state's ECI program or an outpatient clinic. Um, But yeah. And and also, if you don't want to do that, just look at your child and see, can they play? Can they function? Are they, because even this affects, can affect like, how they eat like are they super 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 picky resistant eaters Mm, okay you know that's a whole nother thing too so because when kids are on their screen all all the time a lot of times they're not even taking time to feed eat at the table so they just maybe might eat like crunchy finger foods gogurts and and goldfish yeah yeah so even things like that you know like this affects a lot more than what we realize right now. You know, I think like what you said, in 50 years, all this research is going to come out. I and know. it's going to be like, oh, no. What like did we do? Bed, I know. know? Like- it, it's going to. We know it is. And that's why I'm just yeah. trying to lovingly, with a little bit of sternness, wake parents up and say, look, there's yeah. there's no way in the future you can say, hey, all that screen time for our babies, that actually turned out to be a really good thing. You know, it created right. like a hump in their neck. 
from leaning over too much with this, we then evolved into like some new species and like their eyeballs got smaller. Like none of that's going to happen. Uh, I just, right. I just Googled, uh, we're going to go here and say goodbye. I just Googled a symptoms checklist. So here's, here's a few things. Some of these are up like, Whoa, Holy cow. So for infant toddlers, so sensory checklist. So parents listen up. Uh, my infant or toddler has problems eating. Uh, they refuse to go to anyone but me. So these are all signs for the checklist. Like maybe you need to look at getting some help. Uh, they have trouble falling asleep or staying asleep. We could do a whole podcast, and I will one day, on on the effect the screens have mm-hmm. on messing up your baby and toddler's and your kid's sleep cycle. Uh, they become extremely irritable when you dress them, or they feel un- uncomfortable in clothes. They rarely play with toys, especially those requiring dexterity. They have difficulty shifting focus from one object to another. They don't notice pain or are slow. To, ooh, that's something I would never think. They don't notice pain or are slow to respond when hurt. Uh, there's a whole bunch on it. Resist cuddling, yeah. arches their back way when you're being when they're being held. They can't calm themselves. Oh, wait, say they cannot calm themselves by sucking on a pacifier, looking at toys, or listening to my voice. So there's a whole lot of things I wasn't even aware of um, right. that parents could should go look at. Now, of course, uh, screens aren't going to fix everything, but for a lot of situations, it's just removing that is going to be. A huge step in their success. What what is the what is your favorite part about what you do? I love building relationships with the families and the child and then seeing progress and how happy that makes the family. Mm. It really just improves their life so much. Whenever your kid has an easier time and can achieve a skill, yeah. that's a really big deal. And why wouldn't we as parents want to see what the best version of our kid is? You know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's why my underlying thought behind all of this is like, why don't we, why wouldn't we want to see what the best version of our kid could be? And if there's something that's preventing that, like why, why are we so slow to get rid of it? I know it is yeah. a lot harder and it is, it's going to take more time and effort when mm-hmm. you do this. Uh, and if you take away the screens or, or, delay access or any things you want to do uh it's going to involve you spending more time with your kid which means less time on netflix and less time to do you know whatever you're doing around the house or with your work uh but isn't it so worth it i mean what a worthy thing to spend your time doing right yeah and every time the screen time is reduced or taken away in a child's home that i see for therapy everyone is happier the parents, the child, if they have siblings, everyone is happier. It's amazing. I, uh, I'm going to be releasing a podcast. It might come out before this one, but, uh, of a family. So we have some family friends in Arizona have an amazing story. Three boys, two of them were very, uh, were, were struggling big time. One of them, one of them were pretty sure, uh, was misdiagnosed with autism, but it was really virtual autism. Uh, mm-hmm. and the other one was six and he was, uh, they, they wanted to medicate him cause he's his attention and his outlet, you know, he couldn't go to school. And, uh, and when they went screen free, when they took away the screens and, and mom got on the ground and started playing with them and everything changed, um, we actually sent our film crew to interview them. And we interviewed the oldest brother, uh, who wasn't really a big screen kid, super smart, super amazing. And we asked him, we said, Dallas, like, how did you see, uh, this taking away the screens from your little brothers? How did that affect the whole family? And just hearing the older brother say how much of a change he saw in mom and dad's relationship, mom and dad's and kids' relationships, how much more they, he's like, how connected they felt as a family. Like, 
it has such an impact if you have one kid struggling with this when you when you when you address that on the entire family and it's always been more positive so uh, yeah. thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing that. I really, really appreciate that. Um, if people want to get a hold of you and your area, they just Google you. I mean, you said they, they just go to the government site. If they look for a referral, a lot of this, a lot of this, uh, there's government funds like where, where parents don't have to actually pay for stuff like this or how does that work? Yeah. Some of the States, um, they have like Medicaid waivers. And so in Texas and Louisiana though, um, if it's if you have Medicaid, then it's free. But if you have private insurance, yeah. you do probably have to pay some. It's based on your income. Okay. But it's usually cheaper than some of the other options. Awesome. So there is there's yeah. always options out there, um, and they can find them. Just a simple Google search for OTs in your area. Um, thank you so much for coming on. I'm going to play a little music on the way out here. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. That's Michelle Pine, occupational therapist in Dallas, Texas, uh, North Dallas. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you have any questions, send them over to HeyColin at SaveTheKids.us. Go home, give your kids an eight-second hug. We will see you next time. <laughs>